0: cat. That's not a good time.
1: <laughs> hey, this is Colin. This is Chris. And like a wonderful Añejo tequila... This is Shiny Podcast, following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology. It's been a crazy week on a personal level. Um, things have been a little bit quieter. I-, I feel like on the on the on the tech side of things. So we it does have- seem whenever there's a. Uh- there's like
0: a, a five day lull on either side of like these major tech events. And today is the day that the GDPR, which we covered last yes. week in episode 22, is going into effect. So if you want to hear about what the GDPR is, what it means, and and how it affects you, why don't you go back, stop this one right now, go back a week and listen to episode 22, get all of that, and then come on back and join us.
1: Absolutely. And you've already probably gotten quite a few emails <laughs> about about the uh, the incoming inaction of, of, of this legislation, which is today.
0: This today. It is
1: aujourd'hui and
0: we shall see on the uh, how it changes things by the time we record the next episode. But today, it's launch day. The thing's just barely getting out into orbit. So we really don't have any idea how the European Union is going to use these new tools that they have. I wonder how many fines are going to go out today. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean,
1: probably, probably none, but I just... The, the I thought listened of
0: it kind to of... the Make Me Smart podcast. It's uh, Kyra's doll of Marketplace on American uh-huh. public media. Love it. Great, 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 great podcast. Um, they did a... Uh, sort of summary of it. I think we did better, frankly. But <laughs> they did a summary of it recently, and one of the people that they had on uh, mentioned the fact that it's such a sweeping change that not even the regulators in the European Union are really sure oh, what they're going to do yet. Yeah.
1: Oh God, no, 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 no. Yeah. But time will tell, and it's exciting nonetheless.
0: It is, and we will be there to tell you all about it. However. This week, we're going to focus on some other stuff that's happening in the realm, and to start us off, it's GDPR Friday, and as a result, you have 10 billion emails in your inbox. But what are the big boys doing about it? It's a pretty important piece of international regulation. So Apple, who likes you to believe that they are on the forefront of privacy issues, has created a new privacy portal to handle the constraints of the GDPR. Have you seen this yet, Colin?
1: No, no, I haven't. Um so, so I, I I read this article and kind of you know got got the basic info and appreciated that Apple was was kind of on top of this, but but no.
0: I think I'm gonna use it. I, I have uh seen several posts that have come out today of um people downloading their entire transaction history with Apple.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah,
0: that would be interesting to see. I maybe heartbreaking too, but
1: <laughs> I can't, how how much space do you have on your computer? <laughs> like at least for me, because I uh, before before I was building computers and 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 before that I did have a fair amount of of activity on Apple products. And certainly before I switched away from iPhones. So, and I imagine you you had a lot of Apple products growing up, correct? Dude, I actually... Macintosh. Yeah. Just
0: as an aside, I, I spent some time this past week at my parents' house digging through old <laughs> stuff. So, I found the first, the, the box for the first computer that came... Uh, uh, into the house that could be connected to internet, we still have that the Performa 400 box that was released in I think 1992. I grew up in my I had a, a an Apple LC2 in my room so that I could learn mm. how to uh, you know input the incorrect syntax over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, but yes, we've had Apple products for a long time. I had a Performa. <laughs>
1: Wonderful. So, pro- probably quite a bit of history there. I don't know if they. I have a I don't funny know if they would be able to track that. No, I mean, no, no. I know,
0: I know, I know. But it would be interesting to see. I mean, I, I, I should have a fair amount of history, and I, and it would be interesting to see how far back my individual Apple ID actually takes me. Because at this point, I, I, I don't know. I don't remember.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so Apple is is allowing you to to select the uh, size of the of that data download. So you can go as high as twenty five gigs, or can be split into smaller chunks. Um, and uh, so, so you can um, yeah, you can get access to that, and they'll they'll send it on over to you. So it's just kind of interesting and cool to see that that they have taken this pretty seriously. And I mean, they have a lot of obviously a lot of customers all around all around the world, and so they. In the spotlight, as it were, for, for this regulation, I guess.
0: That's the way to do it. I'm going to give yep. props to Apple. You are allowed to not only deactivate your account, but you can delete it if you choose to. You can see everything they have on you. And uh, while this initially starts only in EU countries, as well as Iceland, Liechtenstein, Norway, and Switzerland, it will eventually roll out to the rest of the world later this year.
1: Did you say Liechtenstein?
0: Liechtenstein. Is that not how you say it?
1: Lichtenstein. You say, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> l- l- licking, licking the stain.
0: Licking stain.
1: Licking stain.
0: <laughs> if you've ever used a, uh, a an Nvidia Shield, which is a great product, uh, or I'm trying to think of uh, another company that does it as well as Nvidia. None's coming to mind, but. There's a feature built into the Nvidia Shield and other services and, um, that I'm forgetting that allows you to stream video games from a cloud service. So it's kind of like uh, in-home streaming with Steam, except it just they spin up the instance that plays the game and it streams it right to your, you know, Android device, which is what in, in Nvidia Shield is.
1: Right. And there are other services out there that that offer this, which are becoming a little bit more popular. Probably the most well known is is Sony's PlayStation now, but Thank you. That was yeah. Yeah. um, but um that there there are some other independent services where where you pay a monthly subscription to say, Hey, I want this level of basically hardware to run these types of games, and it's it's all streamed directly to to your uh, to your computer, regardless of what your hardware can do, I just Obviously imagine you, these like server farms full of
0: like, like yes, like basically like i3s connected to 1080 ti's. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh no, that's like what they are, right? They're just no, like tiny little cores yeah. with like yeah. massive yeah. GPUs that are just constantly streaming.
1: Yep, exactly. Obviously, you would need you know the the proper uh, visual component. Your monitor has to be up to snuff with. With frame rates and refresh and, and and whatnot, but um, but but those services are out there, and so to 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 that end, uh, Capcom has started to uh, so so uh, Capcom with their new Resident Evil Seven, um, is actually is this game new? Um, I, I'm not I'm not super into the Resident Evil franchise. Um, I don't know how new the actual game is, but. Its ability to run on Switch is is new, and so instead of having a port like uh, Doom or uh, Dark Souls that are have, like actual ports to the system, uh, Capcom has has changed this to a streaming uh, that you do pay a subscription for to play Resident Evil Seven on the Switch, which does have relatively low end hardware, um, but but this game requires high end graphics, and so they've they've decided to roll it out in that way
0: so let me make sure i get this straight there's a game resident evil 7 right and you you on your switch it that game does not run locally it streams from another source and 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 you you play it my understanding is that the switch is both a console and a mobile gaming device yes so what do you do when you're on the bus
1: you don't play this. <laughs> you don't play this game. So this game does require high speed streaming internet. You have to have, um, gosh, uh, I'm trying to think. Well, you you have to have a low latency, high speed Wi-Fi connection in order to play this. And this is a single player game. This is not a this is not a multiplayer game. So that is interesting that um, that that for a single player experience, it is requiring you to. Uh, stream this o- over the internet. And and you have to have a pretty good internet connection. You can't just do this over any old, any old internet connection. It actually has to be pretty good, which...
0: No, that's not a problem according to the FCC.
1: <laughs> right. Which, if you would like to hear lots and lots of content about that, we have lots of episodes. <laughs> yeah, the majority of our God episodes. Says... <laughs> <laughs> However, you do uh, need to have a pretty good internet connection in order to stream this game, um, which is not, I mean, that there's nothing I, I feel like about this game specifically that requires that. It just the, the fact that you're streaming it, any sort of streaming service like that, any sort of major multiplayer games usually require a pretty good internet connection to have, you know, no lags and low latency.
0: So it was simply more cost effective for them to build out the infrastructure to stream this
1: correct than Instead it was to of,
0: actually port it.
1: Yes, exactly, which requires quite a few resources. You 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 have to design the game or certain facets of it for that console, which is why it, it is expensive and why a lot of companies don't do ports to other systems. That's why you see a lot of systems with system exclusives like horizon zero dawn or the halo franchise for ps4 and xbox respectively
0: i started this leading with the nvidia shield analogy not just because it functions similarly but it is nearly the the same chipset underneath the hood between the, the the shield and the nintendo switch for those of you who don't know the nintendo switch is powered by an nvidia tegra chip so right on this falls very much in line with with that, and it, it's interesting to me because as a as a Linux user who often gets passed over, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's it definitely is compelling to think like, well, this might be a viable alternative. But all that being said, boy, that's a, I mean, that's a lot of hoops to jump through to play a game that you pay for.
1: Correct, and not not just. I mean, again, not just um, the game itself. It's the it's the subscription. It's the you have to keep paying for it. We we kind of talked a little bit. uh, We touched a little bit on that. Um, It wasn't in relation to gaming, but that kind of you know things kind of a lot of things changing to a subscription service based. infrastructure and and so this this is very similar and so this is a trend that i i understand why it's happening um you know you you know uh, uh, not everyone has the know-how the confidence or the money to put together their own custom high-end pc to to run this type of thing and so i understand the appeal of of this i guess but i don't i worry about the games like i I'm i'm never gonna play this game like straight up I'm never going to buy this game. Um, I worry about games that I do care about, that I do want to play. Like, this winds up being a popular trend, and I wind up having to buy a subscription to play the games that I want for every game that I own in the future. Right. Yeah. That that idea worries me, because I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, at some point, like, we have Well.
1: I I don't know if we have to,
0: but like, I think, I think people like Colin and I sort of feel like we have to draw the line somewhere. I I enjoy a lot of streaming services. I pay for plenty. That's
1: for sure. Oh Yes, for sure.
0: (laughs) But there's, there is. Well, now I feel a little bit like a hypocrite because I was going to say like, there is something to be said about owning your technology until I realized that. 90% 90% of the games that I own are in Steam.
1: Yeah. <laughs> which is a which is an or you play or right. which is a whole other which is again why I'm a big advocate for GOG.
0: Yeah, no, it's straight up. I mean, anybody um, here, tell you what audience, do me a favor. Download Fallout 3 over Steam and play it and see what happens. It's really frustrating. <laughs> And that's the uh, for those of you who don't know, it's still somehow that binary is still tied to a defunct service on uh, called games for Windows Live. It's
1: so fucking crazy. And it's created a lot of And It's one of my favorite games ever. And it is a huge headache to play it anytime I want to because I have to have that. Goddamn thing on my computer
0: or you have to go in and and do a a fair amount of edits to the ini file, as I recall.
1: And even that doesn't guarantee that it'll work, because I've done those edits uh, to to the nth degree on multiple systems, and boy, it is not a a silver bullet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's Yeah. that's super lame.
1: Well, there you go. I mean,
0: like, the, you know, on one hand, you get to stream really high-end games to pretty low-end hardware, and, and on one level, it opens up the market to maybe people who couldn't afford to get in on the on the on their, their rigs their own on their own, but on the other hand, we're slipping toward this reality where you don't own anything that you use, and so if you don't own it, you can't guarantee it. I don't know. I don't know where this will go, but we'll certainly be watching it. It's It's a uh, sir, a development that makes me think about my own culpability in this problem you know
1: yeah yeah fair enough hmm. no fair enough with with all the i mean people go crazy for steam sale and buy all that stuff and it's like do you, you don't really own that either right. <laughs> it's like if steam goes under so do all of those games that you paid money for
0: I feel like at this point, steam going under is in fact a far
1: I, away. I know it's probably not going to happen, but still, no, it's still God, no. But the, the just the 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 possibility, and and so I, I I I see what you're saying about some maybe some culpability there.
0: But I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to be tied. That's the that's that's the thing, and it's it's one thing to sort of sort of be tied to the system because it's the best option but like you know guys come on we've been building computers (laughs) a long time it's not the best option end of story yeah (laughs) right on of course if you uh ever need some advice on how exactly you should uh build your hardware to get the best gaming experience go ahead and reach out to hello at shinypodcast.com and we'll help you out no worries
1: Oh, I would love that. Especially
0: Colin. I mean, he like, you know, I I, I know I know things. Colin knows lots of things.
1: Yeah, hard, hardware is my jam for sure. Colin is the get-
0: first person I contact when I have any hardware questions. And I mean, any hardware questions. Comcast does not love what's going on in the Disney camp, do they? Good
1: Lord, no. <laughs> No, they do not.
0: I feel like we should preface this by reminding the audience that as of today, Disney, after their recent purchase of parts of Fox, owns about 40% (laughs) of the entire entertainment market, at least in the US. Which is just
1: so crazy. Like, how is that okay? I mean, it's not, but like, like... you just live, and I, I, it's cool, man. We live in a post
0: regulatory age where you can just do what you want, man. It's like the hippies have taken over, right?
1: Yeah, the hippies took yeah, over. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that timeline. <laughs> uh, no, so, so Disney, um, is, is. Uh, yes, uh, planning to to buy quite quite a bit of of Fox Entertainment. So obviously not Fox News or, or or anything like that. I don't think really Disney aligns with, or maybe they do. Actually, I don't know much about Disney's politics, but uh, they they are hoping to buy quite a large portion of Fox. In fact, a bit of fifty two point four billion all stock pocket offer. change. Yeah, no, that's. Lunch money, <laughs> uh, so to to to, uh, to to buy all of these Fox assets and Comcast uh, is planning to outbid Disney for for this, but I I don't know that that's going to actually happen.
0: Motherfucker, neither of those options are are like like no, they're both, both terrible. Of those suck. They're both terrible. <laughs> I don't I don't want that to happen. I don't want it to happen at all. <laughs>
1: like that. <laughs> oh. Oh. Like, can you imagine the uh man, I, I wonder if this is like they were like, all right, we want to get access to the rights for the Hulk. So we're going to buy fifty four or fifty two point four billion dollars of Fox to do it. Because currently they do uh, Fox owns all the rights to um to the Hulk, uh, which is why the Marvel movies, you can't have a singular movie about the Hulk from Disney. Right.
0: They, they own the rights to the Hulk. They also own the rights to uh the X-Men universe.
1: That's right. Yep. Oh, my God. Could you uh, imagine a world where Disney owns the IP for both the, the Avengers and, and all and all those. <laughs> can, we can go,
0: imagine a world where Disney owns the rights to the MCU. As well as the X Men, which back in the day, back in the day, Marvel may have been in a less uh, lucrative financial position and may have made some deals that they kind of regret now. Among them, signing away the rights to many of their principal IPs, including the X Men, uh, the Hulk, Fantastic Four. Uh, who am I forgetting? There's like there's like a, a couple other bits and pieces that they sort of parsed out, but.
1: I have no idea. Yeah, I uh, sadly I was not a big comic book reader growing up.
0: Yeah, actually, me neither. Uh, truth be told, but I mean, I, I sort of. That's a tangent. I mean, I, I did and I didn't. Anyway, um, <laughs> but the fact remains that is I don't, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm so split. Like I'd love to see X Men come back to the MCU. I mean, like it would not like very little would make me happier than the days of future past x-men to be Um, part of the mcu i mean yeah yeah that would be cool no
1: fair fair enough and and don't get me wrong like disney i've grown up watching disney movies and shows like i mean i've enjoyed them quite a bit there's some of them that i love like they are part of my i don't know Social capital right. <laughs> like they're 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 very important to me and and I love I mean the the amount of talent that Disney can get and and what they can produce is amazing but that they could potentially own now I don't even know what that percentage would go up to if they own the entertainment leg of Fox like they already own 40 plus percent like what is that going to go up to and is that I mean, is that okay? And in my mind, it's not.
0: Well, I don't think so. I I I also I think this is there there's sort of a another problem that we don't really talk about in this in this conversation too often. Why is it? I mean, I know the answer, but like but for the audience and for for <laughs> those those playing along at home. We are talking about ideas that were created decades ago. These are not new ideas. These are not new characters. They're not new stories. They are completely used stories, you know? Right. And it's unfortunate that we live in an era, especially when so much interesting shit is happening in storytelling in the TV venue uh, maybe the online TV venue but still right that Hollywood in particular seems wholly unable to produce new IP <laughs> that captures that captures the magi- the imagination in the same way you know i mean yeah. it's 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 an odd situation we have here
1: no it, it is and i mean you have a lot of entertainment wrapped up in nostalgia it's like all of those 80s and 90s kids you know me and chris to to a certain extent certainly the 90s you know all of this stuff that's being rebooted and these these revamps that that call on that nostalgia but it's uh, Man, at a certain point, it's a, yeah, I don't, not at a certain point, a long point ago, (laughs) like, I want to see new stuff, like, I don't, I don't need to see a reboot of the fucking Gummy Bears, (coughs) like, (laughs) just wait, (laughs) like, 3D, live action, motion capture, Gummy Bears, I don't need it.
0: I gotta admit, actually, I'm kind of intrigued now.
1: No, 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 kidding. no, no. I am putting my foot kidding. down. <laughs> drawing the goddamn line in the sand.
0: All that being said, I do have a date with my mom planned when the new Christopher Robin movie comes out. Uh, I'm going to take my mother. I'm going to bring a box of tissues and I'm going to spend the uh, projected two hours crying incessantly that with my is mom.
1: Goddamn adorable. Yeah,
0: that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do because, you know, Because these things do have weight. They do, and that's why they do it. But it's just... I don't know, man.
1: I'm bored. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bored. Which is crazy, because there's so much great TV and entertainment out there, but I am growing a little tired of this trend
0: you know what it is too the, it's because i mean it's it's taken a bunch of things that like a bunch of like deep geek stuff that we you know loved because we were you know we, we got into it and we like went down that track and you went through the the the, the, the geek tunnel and you're like you know you uh, when you're into something you take it into yourself and you you know you you you, you analyze it you think about it and you chew on it and there's so much story there right it's also a lot dumber on the big screen like
2: Pretty universally,
0: like there's just no way to communicate the nuance and story that you can either on page, well, either on on animated page or on on text page. You know, it's like it it just can't be done. So there's also this cheaping cheapening of it too. It's it's I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think of so so. All right, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a really important franchise to me growing up. It was really, really important to me. I still, to this day, have the 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 uh, what is it? Um, family home entertainment FHE like VHS, like the cartoon that they made. Like I have all the like the movies from the eighties and early nineties. Like I have all of that. Like that franchise meant a lot to me, and I will not deny that. Like going back and watching some of those movies, yeah, they're. God, especially Ninja Turtles 3, where they go back in time to Japan. That was, that was, that was rough. <laughs> that first one, though, kid. dude, that first movie that is first so one good.
0: Like, beyond so... guys in puppet suits, like, that is a
1: great. I love that movie to this day. And so when they rebooted the Ninja Turtles, I don't know what year, whatever, it was, it was like, I was so disappointed. And the thing is, is that I knew that I would be, (laughs) but I walked into that movie and it was like, oh, this is Transformers, but they're fucking turtles. Like it was, it was that upsetting to me to like, to, to see the reboot of something like that, that meant so much to me growing up and just be Oh well, it was for a new generation. Well, man, if if that's what the new generation enjoys, that sucks because those movies suck. I'm sorry. And they
0: don't They're because bad. that's such a They're that's such a bad. ridiculous statement. It's for the new generation. Exactly. What Exactly. Like it, it's for what saying it's for the new <sighs> generation means I am a member of a generation that doesn't understand the new generation. And so we're we think this is this is be I'm profitable. by default
1: all old and outdated, yeah. and it's like no, I'm thirty, well, thirty-one, yeah, and change. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but I um, yeah that 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 was that was a huge disappointment to me, and so it it that's kind of a watermark for me on reboots because I um, yeah, I just I I want I want new stuff like that's I guess that's just I'm tell
0: going. a different but, I mean. Use the same tropes. I don't care. Use the same tired, boring mechanics, you know?
1: Yes, you, you the, the, the trials and tribulations of humanity uh, can only be described in so many ways. Right, but... right, right, right. But for
0: fuck's sake, I don't, I mean, just do something, something different. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean,
1: yeah, it, I mean, that's why things like. I mean, I think of, of of a couple of musicals, for example, like Broadway has this issue, too, where they do a lot of revitalizations of, of certain musicals. And sometimes that's great, um, but sometimes that's like, why? Why don't people write new stuff? And that's why things like um, the Book of Mormon and things like Hamilton are so successful is because they're new and they're good and they're inventive.
0: You want to know the the, the secret? Rich people are not all
1: that creative. they don't have to be and it's they don't have to that's that's just what's up (laughs) yeah no fair enough so anyway i i uh I, i hope well i i don't know i don't know what to 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 really wrap this up with because i whether it's comcast or disney jesus i i guess i i guess i'll go with disney but fuck me that's that's not those aren't the two options that I want. Not since an election <laughs> have I seen such
0: <laughs> shitty choices. This article caught my attention because, you know, I'm a contractor. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of wiggles my ears.
1: Yeah, I thought this was this was interesting. So if if you are in the the gig economy or if you are a independent contractor, you may sometimes worry about the state of your insurance and and the amount of coverage that that you may or may not, as is often the case have and 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 so a company called Verifly has come in and is starting to offer it, it well it originally started as as a, a um kind of insurance for uh, drone pilots. yeah, that's they,
0: where I heard about this originally, yeah. Um, people like like they had a product where they like if your drone got whatever, if you went too high, if you if you flew over the wrong area, if you caused damage or whatever, they would they would insure you. Uh, and it was fairly affordable, as I recall,
1: yes, yeah. and and going into their new endeavor, I think it continues to be relatively speaking. um so so they they are now offering. Uh, uh, insurance coverage for um, part-timers people who need business insurance so people who are in the the gig economy people who don't have your traditional Monday through Friday 9 to 5 job and and who struggle to have insurance for those those types of those types of situations because as our especially our economy the American economy uh, gravitates towards that sort of thing as more and more larger companies don't want to hire full time pensioned employees. Having adequate coverage is becoming a real problem, and so I think it's a, a good sign that there is a company that is is starting to address that that issue.
0: It is, uh, and, and it's necessary because there aren't a ton of products that that allow there aren't a ton of insurance products that sort of cater to this market. And I know this from personal experience. Um, I am ultimately well, actually, before I get there, it's for all of you who are thinking about doing this insurance is something that you really want to consider fairly heavily. I don't think that everybody who part who takes part in the gig economy, quote unquote, or is a uh, you know freelance technician, sysadmin, coder, whatever, I I don't know that everybody, depending on what you're actually doing, will really require this level of coverage. Because as I recall, this is about a million dollars worth of umbrella coverage, right?
1: Yes, which is fairly standard as far as kind of business certificate of insurance um, uh, coverage goes
0: right 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 but for those of you who will be in that realm that's that's a pretty i mean it's an easy product right it's an easy product i dare say though by the time you are filling your 40 hours with freelance gigs I think you're going to find this product to be not for you. Let's yeah. do, let's oh, let's sure. run yeah. some numbers on that. Right, going to be so,
1: quite expensive, actually. Yeah, yeah.
0: like it's about a, It's over an order of magnitude more than I pay. <laughs> <Let's say that. laughs> so uh, there's that. But the way that they price it, it's five dollars per gig hour per job. Okay so you are doing 10 hours of work per week in this in this way that's 50 bucks for a million dollars of coverage that's not bad you can certainly make that up right
1: yeah but if you're doing 40 hours if you are doing enough to to get up to well then you need to go talk to your insurance broker yeah (laughs) because that's insane (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's, in, that's absolutely insane. But yeah, so so this, right, this, this is not the ideal product for people who are still through various jobs pulling in 40 hours. But this is ideal for those yeah, who, who are doing things here and there to f- maybe fill in the gaps or um, yeah, just just doing this more of a part time basis.
0: I want to be right. super real with you guys too because like this i mean this this sort of like allows you to avoid the whole should i start a business question for a little bit longer you can kind of skate by with this kind of coverage for for a little bit i went the other direction personally i started an llc and i went and got what is called professional liability insurance which is over and above the regular kind of uh you know uh, laborer or or um uh, I don't know more blue-collar uh, insurance. So sure, there's a there's 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 insurance products that exist that sort of cover your general use. So like I am a contractor. So let's say I uh, we- i am wearing my boots and I track mud into your establishment, right, and that pisses you off. Well, that kind of thing is usually covered under general liability insurance, right? Right. Uh, uh, for a for a uh, you know for a contractor. But let's say that you are a technical person and you're engaging in some software related or systems related uh, gig, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you roll out a new app for an organization, or you set up the network for an organization or uh, you know something like that. And it doesn't go as planned. Well, your general liability would not cover that professional liability does and that that's what covers your you know uh your mistakes <laughs> in a sense, yeah, like yeah. like like it's not just the shit that happens incidentally it's the stuff that you intentionally design that doesn't work mm-hmm. now i uh, in interest of full disclosure I, I guess i don't mind revealing this i pay what is the equivalent of about a hundred dollars a month for $100,000 worth of professional liability insurance, over and above uh, uh, my million dollar uh, general liability policy. So if you hire Christopher Goulet, and I design your network, and the network immediately crashes and it's unusual, like nothing you have is usable for weeks. I have a hundred thousand dollars at my beck and call, just to you know to, to remedy that, right? It's not a million dollars, but it's a hundred thousand dollars, and that's not nothing.
1: For sure, yeah. I mean, that could at least cover cover things while you attempt to fix the problem. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. that's
0: that's that's. And generally speaking, I mean, I've never had to use it. Knock on wood. but <laughs> That's kind of the idea, uh, little secret friends. If. If you are buying insurance because you think you're going to use it, I would really think about the industry that you're working in and whether that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, right on.
0: (laughs) However, just to scale this up so you guys understand, I pay, again, about $1,200 a year for that. If you wanted to use this policy from Verifly, I don't even know if we... Cited what the company, uh, what the name of the company was. Earlier. I think I, I
1: think I did it itself. Uh, okay, good.
0: Yeah. To get the million uh, dollar uh, coverage, that's five dollars per work hour per job per month. Which, if you are working forty hours a week, comes to about eleven thousand two hundred dollars. So yeah, you get a million dollars worth of coverage. But do you really want to piss away more than ten grand on something if this is your <laughs> livelihood? Then my guess is probably not. Probably not. But for those of you who are doing little things on the side, who can build that into your pricing model, who can, uh, who are just looking for something that is almost like a per diem insurance, this is a great product.
1: We we have beaten this drum. This horse is. Bloody pulp. It looks like Ditto this point. from
0: Pokémon.
1: We have this horse we have, <laughs> looks
0: like a gelatinous <laughs> mass. We have beat <laughs> it to death so much, but it still, every single day, remains an important and topical conversation point because it is not going away.
1: No, it just ceases to not be an issue. And so Verizon has begun quote unquote testing DSL usage caps that it refuses to call as such. <laughs> so Verizon w- what they've what they've started to do is is go into select communities and for folks using DSL, they're they're not kicking people off. They're not saying oh you can't use that anymore. We're changing this we're gonna charge you more money. They are going in and putting these nooses around their ability to to access the Internet um, to incentivize them to upgrade or basically scare them away to another competitor. And they don't really seem to care what you do. Um, And so under the guise of. (laughs) uh, Based on a statement that they made, they are they are saying that. This is in, a, in an attempt to educate the consumer and be transparent about what their usage rates are, um, which is offensively stupid logic uh, or a, a, offensively uh, stupid argument that, that they are making there. Because it's absolutely not what they're doing. And it's pretty clear that's not what they're doing.
0: I really feel feel for the wild bits out there on the plains roaming around in what is an increasingly smaller and smaller herd those majestic wild zeros and ones as they graze on the the beautiful fertile grass they're disappearing every day we have less and less of them as we expand our society their habitat wait hold on Oh yeah, there's no shortage of bits.
1: Yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> right. Bits have no mass. Yes. Data has their, no mass. Their, their argument that they need to uh, manage network congestion has been repeatedly debunked. Uh, these these data caps do that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's not real. It's it's a
0: you know it, it's a completely bullshit story. That very. The concept that these companies that do nothing but sit on a network that they do not improve, taking in money every single week to to to, to ju- 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 that, that it's just your it's just your on button like that they are unable somehow to 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 make better this situation is it, it's asinine. It's just absolutely insane. I mean this goes back to the the uh was 1996 with the Information Superhighway Bill when we handed out hundreds of billions of dollars to these assholes to make their networks better and they pocketed
1: the money and told us
0: well we we have limits
1: it, too bad we'll do it later
0: unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable it's in it, it it bothers me if that was their own money that'd be fine but that's my money god damn it that's your money and it just incenses me that they perpetuate this insane myth that somehow they're under the gun they're under pressure that somehow there's not enough bits to share in the world Unfucking believable
1: Unfucking believable. And that the regulatory bodies that oversee these companies continue to allow them to perpetuate this absolute fault. The ACLU has, has obtained documents showing that Amazon is handing out uh, very cheap facial recognition technology to law enforcement, which is incredibly powerful and incredibly dangerous for civil rights. Um, This is this is concerning. And definitely something that needs a lot of scrutiny. (laughs) Like uh, Amazon calls this service uh, recognition. They have replaced the C with a K. That's cute. Um, That's yeah, that's that's real cute branding and. (laughs) <laughs> and so the ACLU is is very uh, worried that 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 this uh, violates civil liberties and civil rights, um, that the artificial intelligence behind it can identify, track, analyze people in real time and recognize up to 100 people in a single image and and can quickly scan all of that against a database um, featuring millions of faces. Um and and this is this is being sold very, for very cheap to law enforcement. That and has already been deployed. That in and of or, itself in, would in, be yeah. concerning, right? If that was the end of this
0: story, I feel like that would be cause for concern. But we have to put everything in context, and this podcast exists for us, curmudgeons to sort of explain deeper than just bitching about why these things are bad right mm-hmm. so right. <laughs> beyond the obvious civil liberty in potentially civil liberty infringing aspects of this it's very important to remember that amazon's aws amazon web services has a contract with the federal government to provide them their own private version of aws upon right. which to they, they 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 can you know dole out all of the resources that they need what that means is that one of amazon's biggest sources of revenue is the federal
1: government this is a massive conflict of interest It is
0: the biggest conflict of
1: interest Do
0: you really think Amazon getting billions of dollars per year from the federal government are ever going to turn down a request? Ever? No. No, They're never going to do that. I mean, all they are seeking to do with this is to simply add a few more points onto the monthly revenue they're already getting. So don't think of this as some crazy thing that's happening in the abstract. Oh, my God, I can't believe Amazon put forth this sort of one spike of terribleness. No, this is part of a larger campaign on their part to become the de facto service of the internet, whether public or private. And that should have everybody insanely worried. I mean, and I run up against this fairly frequently, almost on a daily basis, as we're trying to decide... What systems to use to deploy what systems, right? I mean, obviously, AWS comes up all the time because mm-hmm. it's huge, it's powerful, it's easy, it's ubiquitous. So, for some of my jobs, AWS is the obvious answer when it is somebody else's long term liability. For my own shit and for my own sanity, you better believe I try to de Amazon and de Googleify and de Microsoft as much as I possibly can, mm-hmm. because there is just no—you, the individual, cannot possibly hope to compete with the value of a customer like the United States Federal government.
1: Yeah, not at all. <laughs> So we
0: usually cover big security stories as they come out, and and one of the things we've been tracking are the Spectre and Meltdown vulnerabilities uh, that came out early in 2018. Those are the vulnerabilities uh, surrounding Intel chips and 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 some, AM, some AMD, not not as not as much as Intel, though maybe a little bit more than AMD would like you to believe, um,
1: <laughs> and some other companies.
0: Yep, and and, and exactly, other, other chip makers as well. I uh, yeah, would like you to believe. But, there this is a problem that is it's not contained, friends. Like, despite all of the patches that you may have seen come down the pipe, despite all of the microcode that you may have installed, this is not a done deal yet. And they're still finding problems in this speculative execution system. To to recap, speculative execution is a function of a computer processor that tries to anticipate what it is that you're doing and run the code ahead of time so that it appears to you, the user, that the the speed of the chip has increased, right? They can guess what workload you are going to do. Then they can increase the perceived speed of the system, right?
1: Hen- hence the speculative...
0: That's right. Unfortunately, predictive it is. Part. that's the rub. This is the thing that has been a problem. Because as you can imagine, um, there is an inherent issue in running code ahead of time right
1: (laughs) right yeah exactly this Uh time
0: around we're going to let the two billion dollar per year open source company red hat tell us (laughs) what the issue is because i think that they can do it in a much better way than we can so
2: if the news about a computer security threat that lets cyber criminals steal sensitive information through any web browser is giving you deja vu You're not alone. Many are comparing this new issue known as speculative store buffer bypass to the Spectre and Meltdown threats in early 2018. And just like when Spectre and Meltdown were announced, software patches are ready to help with this new threat. So what makes speculative store buffer bypass different? Imagine your computer is a restaurant. Waiters move from table to table writing down orders, called stores, in their ticket booklets. Think of these booklets as memory buffers that allow them to serve several tables more efficiently. At some point, a waiter will go to a shared station to transfer orders from his booklet to his customer's bills. He may decide to print out some bills in advance to have them ready. But to do this, he has to speculate that he's the only one serving his customers. Usually he's right, but sometimes a customer will flag down a different waiter and ask to add something else. Can I get some coffee? The new waiter adds the item to the order, but now the printed bill is incorrect. When it's time to pay, the first waiter double checks and sees that his customer's order no longer matches the printed bill. He throws the old bill out and prints out a new one. A similar process is going on in your actual computer, where processors are like those busy waiters, storing data to and loading data from memory addresses. They are buffering requests and using speculative execution to make sure all this happens as quickly as possible. In order to avoid errors, the processors will double-check if any address used in a load was part of a recent store to that same address. If so, the speculative data gets thrown out, just like our waiter threw out the incorrect bill. The problem is, this speculation occurs in a shared, unsecured area, so it's possible for unauthorized users to see it. This allows an attacker to create a malicious piece of code that fools the processor into reading from one address while it thinks it's reading from somewhere else. By tricking the processor, attackers can steal data like passwords and credit card numbers undetected. So how can you protect yourself against a threat that doesn't look like a threat? Technology companies have come together again to create patches that turn off speculative execution for store buffers. This stops unauthorized users from exploiting this vulnerability. It's critical to install these patches right away and stay up to date with the latest releases of operating systems. This will reduce performance slightly for some operations, but not as significantly as the patches for Spectre and Meltdown. Patches will continue to be optimized to reduce the impact on performance even more, and future hardware designs will eliminate this vulnerability altogether. New technology threats aren't deja vu. They're a continuing challenge we all need to deal with. That's why it's essential to keep the lines of communication open among technology companies, communities, and researchers to head off threats before they become huge problems.
0: All right, that was a super cute little bow on a pretty big fucking problem, depending on which processor you have. But Mm -hmm. that explains it better than I think I could have.
1: Yeah, and credit to uh, Red Hat videos on YouTube uh, for, for that for that video. Uh, it'll be on the website that we link to um, in our show notes. So definitely encourage you to to, to watch that and read this. And article. they have a
0: great write up as well. But the yeah. um, fact is depending on which processor you have, this is going to be more or less of a problem. I wanted to sort of take this. Uh, now that we've heard that awesome breakdown and and sort of extend it a little bit. Okay, uh, the the, you know, the problem is that We really have run up against the sort of physical edge of what we can make silicon do. Yeah. We really have. I mean, if you have been paying attention, you've probably noticed that the raw clock speeds of of our processors has not really gone up to a great degree in more than a decade now. Because what they what they what they have focused on is energy savings and is executing the same amount of power with less power overhead, less electricity overhead. Mm-hmm. But we really, 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 really have reached sort of the edge of what we can expect out of silicon with maybe some some last final jumps, but this is the realm we live in. We are today in the pre-quantum era. Right?
1: Yes. Yeah, the the being worked on and will be out someday. But but, but yeah, I mean we're we're not gonna see any major jumps in that technology until that's that's up and running.
0: So in order to counteract that, because the market Pressures are such that, you know, you always got to be getting something you always have to have something new, faster, better to sell every single year. A bunch of creative people get together and uh, create this system that's able to guess what kind of code your chip might be uh, running next, right? We're just gonna guess like, well, they're doing this, this and this. So it might be logical to run this code so that the results of which are already available by the time we get there that is how they have increased perceived speeds across the board right. not because chips are faster because they're they've built this guessing system and it's actually a pretty good a pretty good system except for the fact that somehow in their desire to bring this to market they didn't secure it Thanks. so a well crafted payload access the information that is being uh, processed by that speculative execution engine and it is a complex enough system that just because you've been very good and you've patched everything and you've made sure you have all of your updates installed since the beginning of the year
1: what would save you this is
0: a structural issue This is a foundational, structural issue. So while I am not trying to scare you, it's important that you realize that this is not a thing that's going away anytime soon. This is not the last version of speculative execution problems that we have seen. My guess is that we will see several more over the course of the year as people, uh, very, very smart people continue to tear this apart and try to understand what the underlying issues are. So at the end of the day, while the advice remains the same, patch your shit, remain up-to-date, keep, keep, clicking install. It's more important to understand, I think, that while we love getting those new specs every year, we love when we see like, oh, we get this much percent in gains, that's so cool it's not a linear trajectory it's not a single line that is drawn between two points in space this Mm -hmm. is a three-dimensional if not four-dimensional problem as we move to quantum computing (laughs) and i can only hope i can only hope we and time will tell but i can only hope that the promise of these issues being solved comes to fruition because at this juncture, Colin, and I'm not a CPU engineer by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but I'm having a hard time understanding where it is they're going to eke from where they're going to eat those performance gains while simultaneously securing these issues.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I think the, the new biggest trend, and you can see it with Intel, because they're about, they just... A week or so ago, announced their ten uh, nanometer right um, uh, CPU, and so I think that's the direction that 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 industry is going is just packing that technology into a smaller footprint. But as far as better security and updating these things, I don't know that they are until like you know, kind of said until quantum computing takes off
0: and understand that the process of shrinking the fob upon which these chips are printed has nothing to do with security that has everything to do with making it easier for electrons to traverse that distance when you read about these smaller and smaller you know less and less nanometer fobs that are coming out it's all about the power baby i don't know man i guess I guess we just we, we throw in on risk or arm or <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the answer is but it will be very interesting to see in the early days of 2019 and and you know going forward what that answer is and and how what you know what those very intelligent and very highly paid engineers are cooking up for us at the moment, I'm not seeing a lot. Are we doing a deep dive or is that the end of the show?
1: I think that's the end of the show, dude. I I don't have a deep dive. Nah, me neither. End of the show. Another news episode. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can get us at our Twitter. Uh, Mine is at KaliOli11. I'm at FlexOla. That's significantly fewer letters. Uh, our joint one is at cast the shine you can check us out on facebook our website shinypodcast.com we would love to hear from you if you would like to email us our email is hello at shinypodcast.com
0: thanks for listening folks uh let's not beat that particular horse again but if you want to rate and review us you certainly can you certainly know how to do so really the best thing that you possibly move. if you like this show is to tell all of your friends about how much you learn. If we can be the source of technology
1: anyone,
2: anyway,
1: technical or non-technical, I'm so happy. As would I. Thanks so much for listening, folks.
0: like these segments are just like they're they're just turning into us screaming
1: no i know i mean it's it's man it, it i mean that's that's where that's where we're at unfortunately
0: it's... a technical person is very frustrating in 2018 i'm telling you <laughs>
1: like <laughs> i feel like i'm taking crazy pills you like I, in fact it's like the the dice rolled one we're living in the darkest timeline <laughs> like it yeah. just uh